doer. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Give him praise. Come on, give him praise. Don't just clap your hands. Give him praise. Give him praise. He's worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, anybody told him thank you this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a great God, and he is worthy of our highest, best, everything we got from the guttermost to the utmost. Hallelujah. God is indeed worthy of everything that we can give him on this Sunday morning. And if you're here today and you don't understand what I'm talking about, all this praise and worship stuff, let me just tell you, there's nothing better that you can give to God than yourself. God doesn't want anything as much as he wants you. And he's here today to reach for you. And I just believe today that if you will surrender to the Lord, that God will take everything, everything that was wrong, everything that was working for evil and turn it around. That's what the word of God tells us and he will work it out for our good. Amen. Numbers chapter 19 and uh, verse 14 and while you're turning there let me say again what an honor and a privilege it is to be here this morning. I love and appreciate uh, your pastor and uh, first lady and just a little inside joke and the other folks. And uh, I'll let Brother Bradford explain that one to you. I ain't getting into that. But uh, I do love this first family and I appreciate them so much. And thank God for what he's doing through the leadership of this wonderful pastor. Aren't you thankful for your pastor? Amen. That's an order. Amen. Thankful for good godly leaders. Numbers chapter 19 verse 14 says, This is the law. When a man dieth in a tent, all that come into the tent and all that is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. Everyone say it with me, unclean. And upon every vessel which hath no covering bound upon it, it is. And whosoever toucheth one that is slain with a sword in the open fields or a dead body or a bone of a man or grave shall be seven days. He tells them, this is just some of the laws for keeping God's people clean. And he tells them, whoever touches the body or the bone shall be unclean seven days. I don't have time to preach this whole text, but I will take a while today and I want to talk to us about bodies and bones. Bodies and bones. Would you help me today? Would you help me preach? God, we love you. We're so thankful. Come on, would you lift your hands and pray with me? God, we're so thankful for one more chance to be in your house and to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we've come to you today and, and we're, we're so thankful, Lord, that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. And we're asking you, God, right now that you would have your way in this house. Anoint us, change us, and challenge us. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. amen. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? Give God thanks and praise and glory and honor. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, some of y'all sitting down. I didn't say you could be seated yet. I'm kidding. You can be seated. I'm, hallelujah. Amen. The book of Numbers is very, very interesting in many aspects. It's a book of order. 
God has brought his people into liberty and now they must learn to live a life that is holy, H-O-L-Y, and holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, unto the Lord. God is setting things in order that his people would be a people that worship one God and that follow one God. And so the book of Numbers, it is my opinion that it is a dictionary that is married to the book of Leviticus. God has given Leviticus to the priesthood and told them how to live and has defined it for the rest of the children of Israel throughout the book of Numbers. We understand there is a journey being made here from Leviticus all the way through Deuteronomy in more than one sense of the word. God's people are heading towards the promised land. They have been wandering in the wilderness and God is giving them uh, direction. They are growing in government. They are growing in holiness unto the Lord. And again, they are progressing towards the land all at the same time that shall be their forever home. Numbers, we understand, is given to them in the plains of Moab and I don't have the time to get into the uh, the, the importance of that. However, I will say today and take a few moments to kind of talk about a common theme that runs through uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Some would say that as you're going through these books that uh, government would be the theme that uh, is going through this book. And yes, that would be true, but it is, again, my opinion that that is just a stem off of the tree. However, we can see it in the book of Deuteronomy very strongly. Some would say that it is separation, and that would be true as well, but yet it is just another stem. It's not really the theme. It's more of a stem off of the theme. And Some would even say it's holiness because repetitively throughout these books, God would say the words, Be ye holy, for I am. It is a theme, but yet it is, it, again, it's just kind of the sub-theme. If you continue to read throughout the Word of God through these three books, you'll find that this theme, the purpose of Numbers and Deuteronomy and Leviticus are all in separating what is clean and unclean. That, that is, it's hard for us to understand, let's just be honest, of what the biblical definitions of clean and unclean is, is because the truth of the matter is in 2022, to us what is clean or unclean is all defined by a little green LED bulb. Some of y'all get that in a minute. If it's on, that means the dishwasher's done. They're clean. If you see the little green light, that means the clothes are, have finished their washing cycle and now they're you pull up into the car wash and you see the green light come on. You know now all the dust is gone and it's now clean. And, and, and so in our very spoiled American way of looking at what is clean and unclean, we don't define things as clean the same way that the Bible defines things as clean. And, and, and on the other side of that, our ideologies of unclean, uh, uh, things like grass stains maybe on the knees, or for some of us messy eaters, it'd be a ketchup stain on your best Sunday morning shirt. And somebody put their towel on this morning just to cover it up, praise God. You, th you think of unclean and you think of the dishes that are still in the sink because somebody didn't wash them after supper last night. Things of that sort. And, and we can even get into to even more grimy and greasy things like grease on your hands after working on the car. Or even our, our, our most vile and, and, 
and just gruesome examples of uncleanliness, of gore and septic mess, all of that. We, we can't even begin to define what the Bible would define as unclean. We, we began to look to the Word of God. Our examples cannot even compare to what the Word of God would call unclean. It, it is something to, uh, to us because it's simple. When something's unclean, you just get some Dawn dishwashing liquid and, and a little bit of elbow grease and a Brillo pad and you can get it clean, right? Is that right? We talk from I ain't preaching yet. When I start hollering, then you can start my time. But until I start hollering, I have, my time has not started. I see some of y'all already looking at your watch. I, I don't have to start my watch until I start screaming. So we got a minute. Can we talk about it? We, we can get things clean with just a little bit of soap and water. That, that, that's how it works in our mind. And, and we can even go a step farther than that. And when we start thinking of, of sicknesses that are unclean, we think, well, we'll just go to the, to the doctor and we can get a shot and he can, he can make us better. But that's not how it worked in the word of God. It was more than a hard day of work and grease on the hands. It was more than dishes in the stink. But it was, an, it was external evidence of an end Internal issue. As a matter of fact, Leviticus chapter 13 defines this, this uncleanliness. It, it deals exclusively with this uncleanliness called leprosy. And we see that it, it deals with how to define it and unfortunately for the person that has it, how to separate it from the rest of the nation. To be found with leprosy in your body, this uncleanliness was the worst possible thing that could anyone could hear or anyone could feel and that something could happen to you. I don't want to be gory this morning, but the truth of the matter is, is your skin begins to rot from the inside out. And so part of parts of your body begin to fall off simply because it's, it's literally rotting and you can smell it when you get close to someone that has this sickness. You can't wash it off. It's not a topical problem. It's an internal problem. And there are doctors that suggest, as I begin to study this, that if the reason that you can't cure it is because when it shows up in your skin, it's too late. It's been living in the bone marrow for years. And so I quote, the sores are topical manifestation of a structural disease that lives and survives in the bone marrow. And so here we have today our idea of what uncleanliness, leprosy, is defined. It is an external issue that starts within the bone. And so since God's so smart, figure that. God's so smart, he tells them throughout the word of God and here in our text today, if you touch the body or you touch the bone, you shall be unclean for seven days. And we understand it's because the purpose of this is this dreaded disease is so unclean and you can't get it because if you get it, you're going to have to be separated from the camp. And if, if you get it, you're going, to be, you're going to be separated from your family. And so he sets it up that the priest would begin to uh, be able to look at this uncleanliness and figure out are they clean or are they unclean and there were some cases the word of God tells us that there are some cases that would be debatable and so they would call together a host of men, a host of priests. I want you to get this, that the discretion of if you are clean or not is all at the discretion of the priest and so this priest that did not know if you were clean or was, or if you were unclean, he would call some other priests together and they would talk about it for a little while and say, look at this sore. Is this, is this leprosy or is it not? And they would say, I tell you what you do. You go back out and you stay outside the camp 
for seven days and then come back in and we'll look at you again. And then even then sometimes that they, they could look and they couldn't really tell, are they clean or are they unclean? And do they have leprosy or do they not have leprosy? And it's kind of like that old coffee shop idiom is, is, is the glass half empty or is it half full? Which, which perspective are you looking at it from? And, and, and to, from a psychological standpoint of view, we have decided that everyone that has a mental capacity must fit into two categories. One, pessimism, looking at it from the point of view that it is half empty, and one, optimism, saying it's half full, one saying it's clean, one saying it's unclean, one saying it's possible that you can stay with your family and friends, one saying that it's impossible. And now we have assumed that if you have the ability to think that you must fit in these two categories and you must look at every situation and decide is the glass half empty is the glass half full is it clean or is it unclean you got to fit into these two categories but there was a day that things began to change for thousands of years people began to look at this from these two categories it's either clean or unclean it, it's, it's either to be separated or to be in the congregation but in the book of Matthew chapter 8, something begins to happen that has never happened before because the Bible tells us that Jesus came down from a mountain and great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and he worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And now all of a sudden, Jesus is being forced into these two categories. Is he clean or is he unclean? He knows the law because he is the law. He understands that if he touches the unclean thing, that he in turn becomes unclean. He understands the law of Moses. He gave the law of Moses. He is the law of Moses. And he understands if he touches the body or the bone of the unclean thing, that he will become unclean. But the Bible says that Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou made clean and immediately his leprosy was cleansed and all of a sudden a group that nobody knew was there that had yet been there all along it's a group that doesn't say the glass is half empty and it doesn't say the glass is half full for lack of a better term brother Bradford this group goes to the kitchen and gets a pitcher and it fills the glass up again and it says now there's no debate if it's half empty or it's half full now there's no debate if it's clean or it's unclean because now everything that was wrong has been made right. I've come to tell you tonight or today, I don't think I have to explain to you. We live in a world that is dirty in a sense of immorality. They're unclean in a sense of abuse. They're unclean in a sense of failure. They're unclean in a sense of esteem and in anger and every other thing under the sun. And what they need is not some high and mighty church person to sit around and debate what is clean or are you unclean. What they need is somebody that'll tell them, I know a place. It doesn't matter if you're clean or not. It doesn't matter if you're addicted or not. It doesn't matter if you're messed up or not. I'm not here to debate with you what's wrong with you. I'm here to tell you there's a place where you can be filled up. I'm here to tell you there's a place where you can be healed. I'm here to tell you there's a place where you can be changed and you can be made clean. 
it's external evidence of internal issues. They're dirty in their bodies because they've been abused in their spirit, abused in their spirits. And I would even say that there are people under the sound of my voice today. Maybe you rode the bus. Maybe you were invited and this is your first time. Maybe you came to church and you're trying to figure out how all this church business works. And you're sitting in the back of your mind saying, well, one day maybe if I get good enough, I can, I can be a part of the church. Honey, you don't have to be good enough to be a part of this church. All you have to do is understand I am unclean, but there is one that can make me clean. I might be dirty in my body and I might be dirty down in my spirit in my bone but I've come I'm to have it come to shake another preacher's hand come on you're not going to get anything out of that I didn't come to try sign another church card because the truth is is you've got a collection of them that stack four foot high in your closet you don't need another church card you don't need to shake another preacher's hand you don't need to join another church because honey you can't join this church you have to be born into this church and the only way you can be born into this church is realizing I am unclean but there is one there's one in this house that can make me clean. You want to be a part of this church? You can be born in it when you repent of your sins and you get baptized in the only saving name of Jesus. And he will, he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Understand today where I'm coming from, I believe in good godly counsel. I thank God. I thank God for people that have went and got degrees and they're, they're way smarter than me and they can figure out a whole lot of that stuff. But let me just tell you something. There comes a point where counseling doesn't work anymore. Paul said, I, I, I came to the philosophers and I, I, I tried to hang out with you guys and, and I tried to counsel you out of your issues and I figured out really quick that counseling isn't going to fix this. And again, I understand, I, I don't want to have to qualify everything I say today, but I will qualify this. I believe in that. If you're in that field, I applaud you. And I, I, I thank God for you, but there comes a point in time where it's not your own understanding and it's not your own might because there are people in this church building today that have had things happen to them that truth be told, if they were to lay back on that couch and let the psychologist talk to them about everything that they've been through, they'd be on so much medication they wouldn't be able to think straight and you want to know how they're here today and they're clothed in their right mind and they got that suit and tie on and drove up in that nice vehicle you want to know why it's not because somebody counseled them out of their issues it's because God looked at them where they were unclean and said look I can fix this I know you grew up in this I'm preaching to somebody right now I know you grew up in dysfunction I know you grew up in chaos I know your family's a wreck but there's a God in this house that can put you back together again and it doesn't matter how smart you are or how illiterate you are and it doesn't matter how rich or how poor he cares about you all the same if Paul were here today the apostle he would, he would tell you I know what it's like to be on both sides of the coin. I, I know what it's like to, to view the world and try to see it through a, through, as a cup that's half empty and half full. 
I, I know what it's like to, I mean, Paul said it. I, I know how to do evil among, above all. I held the coats of the men that stoned Stephen. I, he, had, he had the paperwork drawn up. He said, I understand what it's like to be trying to find acceptance in this world because the truth of the matter is the reason Paul was persecuting Christians, it wasn't about persecuting them. It was about trying to find acceptance with his peers, about trying to fit into the world he was in. He thought he was doing the work of God. He thought he, thought he was doing what was right and righteous, but yet he didn't understand that the issue was is he was always worried about what people perceived about him and not what God perceived about him. He killed, he jailed, he did whatever he had to do. He was searching for something greater than himself and so he put everything into seeking acceptance and he became a tormentor of the church. But you will read in your Bible that one day while on a road, the Bible says that he was struck down with bright a bright light from heaven. And the long story short is, I, I don't have time to preach it all, but I'll just tell you that he began to pray. And when he began to pray, God sent him a preacher. And the preacher prayed for him. And he began to receive his sight. And he received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then we, we see that there's a transition that begins to happen in the life of this man that was at one point named Saul and whom we now know as Paul. And, and we see that transition, Pastor Bradford, uh, in Acts chapter 13 and verse 9, uh, it's the only place in Scripture where both names are used. Saul, which is also called Paul, uh, he makes the transition here in Acts chapter 13 and verse 9. Uh, and it is my opinion that this book, this Word of God, this wonderful Scripture here gives us the answer on how to transition from Saul to Paul because it says, and Saul which is also called Paul, being filled with the Holy Ghost. Saul the persecutor becomes Paul the preacher when he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Saul the merciless becomes Paul the merciful when he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Saul the, Saul the haughty becomes Paul the humble when he gets filled with the Holy Ghost. I've come to tell you on this Sunday morning, if you want to transition from, from trying to find acceptance in everything around you and from everyone around you, you don't need acceptance from your mama and your daddy and all of them people that are in the world that is just dog eat dog. You want to come into this family where you can fall down and we'll help you get back up again. Come on into this family uh, where it doesn't matter what you've done uh, or what walk of life you've come from. Uh, preacher, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to know what you've done. Uh, and quite frankly, I, I don't mean this the wrong way. Please don't take it wrong. Uh, but I don't care what you've done. Uh, not because I don't care about you, uh, but because I know that my God uh, is able to heal you in your body uh, and he's able to heal you in your bones. Uh, he's able to heal the external evidence of sin, uh, but he's able to heal the internal issues you're having to deal with. We understand that what was clean and unclean was at the, it was, it, it, it was, 
It was the priest that got to decide all of that. In Hebrews chapter 4, I feel the Holy Ghost tells us, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our professions, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Preacher, I've got all of these emotions I'm dealing with. Well, let me tell you about this high priest. He can deal with the feelings that you're having to deal with. He understands the reason and that you're angry and you're upset and your world is turned upside down because when Isaiah was prophesying of that priest he said he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities I want you to notice that he's speaking in synonyms here he refers to transgressions and iniquities wounds and bruises he was wounded for our transgression you understand that a wound is top and, and, and so you, you can put a band-aid, you can put stitches on a wound. It's an external issue. And he says he was wounded for your external issues. He says, but he was bruised for your iniquities. Understanding what he's talking about here. You want to know, we, we, again, we, we get what a, what a, what a, a wound is. It's external. But a bruise, you know why you bruise? Because something underneath the surface is broken. Believe me, I know I got a big one right now. I've been working all week. You want to know what a bruise is? Internal issues. And so we, we, we've, we've learned to preach that this God can fix your, he can fix your addictions to alcoholism because he can. He can. He, he can fix your addiction to nicotine because he can. And he can fix your addictions to pornography because he can. And he can fix your messed up marriage because he can. But the truth of the matter is, is, is Brother, Brother Bradford, I, as I grow older, I am more and more impressed by God's amazing ability not to just heal external issues, but to deal with stuff that people have been covering up. You understand? He was wounded because of your addiction. But he was bruised because he knows the reason you're addicted right now is when you were nine years old, ten years old, you started drinking at a young age because you were trying to hide the fact that you were being molested and nobody would listen to you. Oh, I know it got real, real, real quick, but I'm just here to tell you right now, I'm, I'm dealing with somebody here in this house today that, that all you can see is the external issues. All you can see is the body part of it. Uh, and you understand that, that God can take care of that and God can take care of that and God can take care of that. But I've come to preach to you today. I don't care how messed up you are in your mind uh, and how twisted you've been uh, because somebody touched you. Somebody did something they shouldn't have done. Somebody made you stand on the street corner and lie and say, you were hungry when you were just a little kid and, and now you've got a lying issue and it's not because you want to lie it's just it become a part of who you were because your daddy told you if you don't go stand and ask for money then I'm going to beat you until you don't you can't even stand up I'm here to tell you that God is not just the God that can heal the uncleanliness of our external issues he's here today to heal internal things the, 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 the thing that keeps you up at night the thing that makes you cry those tears on your pillow every night when you go to sleep. God is able to heal that all the same. Let's just be honest here. 
We don't like dealing with these issues. Can, can, can we get it all out in the open today? I know we're the church, but we don't like dealing with this stuff. Brother Bradford, when, when, when I have to start dealing with this stuff, it, it, it shows how enable I am to really fix people. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to reach with everything I have. I'm going to give you everything I've got every service, but in, on my own, I'm enabled to fix you. I can't fix it. There's situations that are they're, they're taboo. You don't touch them. You don't deal with them because if you touch them, you get dirty too. That's what the Bible says. Numbers. We're, we're, we're going to deal with this. Can we preach through it today? Can we, can we just talk about the word of God? Is it all right if we, we talk through it? You touch it, you're going to be dirty. And so we, we've learned to tiptoe around this stuff. And, and this is where we can open the word of God and go to the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 37, where the Bible says that God set me down in a valley full of dry bones. Now, that's one of my favorite places to preach right there. Because a, a lot of times we, we get it mixed up and we think that God let me down in a valley full of dry bones. But God's set down is not a let down. God puts you there for a reason. And the purpose is, you've got to understand, Ezekiel is a prophet. But Ezekiel's not just a prophet. You can go and study the word of God and you'll find that Ezekiel's a priest too. And so God sets him down in a place. You ready? Get your seatbelt on? That he's not supposed to be because he's a priest and he's in a valley full of bones. And I read it to you today. If you touch the body or you touch the bone, you're unclean. So Ezekiel, as a priest, you know the law, and not only do you know the law, but you, you, you walk within the law. And so th this is how I read the text, Pastor Bradford. If, if I'm messing this all up, you fix it. I promise I, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll listen to your, your ideas because you're way smarter than me. But when I read the text and I understand that Ezekiel's a priest and a prophet and God speaks to him and says, Son of man, can these bones live again? I see Ezekiel tiptoeing around saying, are you kidding me? I'm not supposed to be here. If I touch this, I can't be who I'm supposed to be. God, you mean you sent me to this God-forsaken desert? No pun intended. To deal with stuff that they didn't give us a manual for when we started learning about the temple. They didn't tell us how to deal with divorce. Well, I'm preaching. They didn't tell us how to deal with a 10-year-old girl that was molested. They didn't tell us how to deal with marriages of men that are having, they're having these thoughts in their minds that are ungodly and, and, and they're dealing with alternate thoughts because of the way they were treated as a young man. And Ezekiel's tiptoeing around and saying, thou knowest. It's really his way of, of saying, God, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be dealing with this kind of stuff. God, don't you know who I am? Don't act like you ain't ever prayed like that before. Don't, don't you know I'm a child of God? I'm not supposed to be having to deal with this junk. Right. If we're not careful, 
and, and, and it's, it's the dual nature of the prophet and the priest. And I don't have time to get into this right now because I, I'll be here all day and all of y'all are already hungry. I'm hungry too, but it's okay. We're going to preach through this. But, but this dual nature of the prophet and the priest, the priest doesn't want to deal with it because he knows if he deals with it, he, he's disqualified. But the prophet in him knows. The prophet understands that I've got to speak even though I don't feel like dealing with this. Because God is not just able to heal the body. He's able to touch the internal issues of man. I don't know how long you've been dealing with it. I don't have to know how. Musicians, come I'm, I'm, I'm closing here in just a few moments. I don't have to know how long you've been dealing with it. We live in a society that says just Try to forget about it. Just, just, just put it under the bed, but you can go to the book of Zechariah and you can see what happens when you try to put that woman down in a basket. She keeps picking her head up out of the basket. The only way to deal with it is deal with it. You can't keep hiding it and expecting God to, to tiptoe around your valley full of dry bones because Pastor Bradford don't want to deal with it. That ain't the issue at all. God gave him the power and the authority to speak to it. And this is what we'll do. We'll get in services just like this where God is wanting to give us healing. Well, he ain't preaching to me. I already dealt with that. I got the Holy Ghost. Yeah? Well, why are you still so dysfunctional? Why can't you function as the prophet and the priest that God's called you to be? So, well, well, well that's one man's job. No, 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 you, you, you got to get this. You got to get this. He's the priest over this house, but you're the priest over your house. And you're the priest over your mind. You got to understand that there's sometimes God puts you in places where you don't like dealing with the stuff you're having to deal with. It's not fun. All you can see is the bones of what used to be. Can I preach it to a church person right now? You used to be a prayer warrior. You used to be a worshiper, but now you're standing in a valley and all you can see is the bodies and the bones the decaying of miracles that should have been. God, that will preach. I wish I had time to preach that. I used to. Don't tell me what you used to do. Tell me what you're going to do. Well, praise God. Don't think the devil won't mess up a good message. Even Siri's getting convicted, praise God. You know the good news about this? There's good news to this, Brother Brock. There's good news to it. We keep reading. Numbers chapter 19, I think it's verse 18. Put that up there. We read through verse 16, and it's impossible. Don't touch nothing. Don't be around nothing. 
Ezekiel, if you touch it, you're not going to walk in the temple. This is, there's glimpses of Jesus everywhere. We always preach about the Old Testament God. Let me tell you something. That Old Testament God was the New Testament God too. He just did it in different ways. You read verse 16 and it looks bad. You can't touch nothing. You can't deal with dirty situations because if you do, you're unclean. But he said that a clean person, I would call someone that was tempted as we are tempted yet without sin clean. I would call someone that has had the whole world put in his hands in Matthew chapter 4. And yet he said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. A clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in water and sprinkle it upon the tent and upon the vessels and upon the persons that were there and upon the touch, him that touched a bone or one that was slain or one dead or a grave. Now this is where it's powerful. You got to get it. Did you know? The New Testament only uses the word hyssop twice. One time's referring to something Moses did. You know the other time? It comes to the point. Understand? Get this. Old Testament. Hyssop's used for an applicator. Once it's used at the, at, at, at the Passover. You're going to take that hyssop and you're going to dip it in the blood of a lamb. You're going to put it over the doorpost. Y'all still with me? And if the angel sees the blood, he's going to pass over. And then you're going to use it to apply it to someone that's unclean. Because a clean person's going to come in. And he's going to take hyssop and he's going to dip it in water. And he's going to take that water and sprinkle it upon the one that was unclean. And the other, only other place in the New Testament where it talks about Hyssop, besides referring to an Old Testament application, is when Jesus is getting ready to die. And they take hyssop, put gall on it, give it up to him, he won't drink. It's there! But it's an application because it was used to apply blood and it was used to apply water. And when they pierced his side, blood and water come flowing out because the clean person the clean person showed up and said you're dirty in your body and you're addicted but you're also dirty in your bones because you're abused and I'm here to not just cleanse the body I'm here to cleanse the bones So it doesn't matter what your situation is and it doesn't matter what messed up junk you're having to deal with in your mind and it doesn't matter how bad you sinned. For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Let me tell you something. I want you to look around. Take a good look. Look at this church. Look at the wonderful people in this church. Look around you right now. Take it all in. You know where you're at? You're at the place where the unclean becomes clean. You want to you, you saw those people when you looked around? You seen those people? Those are the people 
They're not dog-eat-dog like the world you came out of. But I've been here long enough to know. I've only been here two weeks, but I've been here long enough to know this is a church that's going to love you. It's going to care about you. It's going to listen to your heartache. It's going to listen to your pain. And it doesn't matter what you've done. You are welcome here. See that? Hear that? That's for you. You, you, you hear that clap, that hand clap of applause? That's for you. That's somebody letting you know, I care about you. This church cares about you. We want you to know you might be unclean, but you're not too unclean for us to touch because we've got a clean person in this house. Broken, bruised, wounded, addicted, conflicted, I don't care. You found a place. You didn't find a place, you found the place. You found the, go home, tell your mama, your daddy, nieces, nephews, cousins, I found the place where you can be made clean. But just, I, I, I'm gonna prove a point right here. Just with the voices of shout of what God did for this wonderful gentleman right here. 109 decibels, that's rock level. You know what they said? That's a, that's a rock band level. With just a shout over God letting this man be filled with the Holy Ghost and getting baptized. I, I'm not embarrassing you, am I? I wouldn't do that for nothing in the world. We had 109 decibels just giving God praise for this man. And you think we don't care about you? I don't know his story. I don't know where he's from. I don't know what kind of struggles he's had to deal with. But there's people all over this place that have had the same kind of struggles you've had. And you want to know what's going to happen when you get in that baptismal tank and you come up speaking in tongues? There's going to be a sound of rejoicing. There's going to be a sound of people that are shouting and giving God praise because one that was dirty has been made clean. I said all of that to say, would you come, would you come, would you make, why don't we do this? Why don't we make it a family affair today? We're just one big family. Come on. Let's make it comfortable for every guest. We want you to know, we want you to come down here and pray with us as a family. We want you to know that this is a place where you can be healed. You can be cleansed. You can be touched. Come on. Come on. It's Sunday morning. It's your opportunity right now to find a place to pray. It's your service. This, this service has got your name on it. I don't care how many times you've came to church and sat through church and nothing happened. I'm here to tell you today is your day. He's here to heal your body and he's here to hear your bones. Everybody reach over and find somebody to pray with. 
Come on, if you're here today, if you're here today and you're broken, you're in the right place. Because God's here to heal you. Come on, talk to him, talk to him, talk to him. Come on. It don't matter how bad it is. Don't matter how damaged you are. You're not damaged goods to us. We see value in you. Come on, we see value in you. We care about you. 